Thank you. This is a little different this morning, isn't it? A little fuller, a few more people here. It's, it's fun to, to be able to get together. I, I thought about it this morning. I only have one shot at this sermon. You know, <laughs> usually if I have two services, if I don't get it just perfect, the first one, I, I'll get it down the second one. But we'll get it uh, for today. This is a thank you service. Uh, you know, the, the great passage that we're looking at is... Uh, in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is what God desires for us, is that we be thankful individuals and we continually give thanks to him. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Luke chapter 17. And we're going to talk about this morning, uh, who should give thanks a little bit. It's, it's, we're going to look at a group of individuals and kind of get that idea of, of who should be giving thanks. We're going to talk about what it means to give thanks and how to give thanks and when to give thanks in the next few weeks. So uh, I encourage you to be here for those sermons and those messages. And, uh, you know, just talk, think about what it means for you to give thanks. I, uh, I read the story of a, a little boy. Chuck Swindoll tells this story. I believe he was actually there by the sound of it. But there was a little boy whose dad was in the veterans' hospital and he couldn't go home with the boy and, and his young son, and he loved him dearly. And uh, the little boy couldn't even go into the hospital to see his dad, but he would come with his mom to the, to the hospital, and he would be out there. And so his dad decided to make him a present, and he painstakingly carved out a truck for his little boy. It was a wooden truck. And uh, he worked so hard on that, and one day the little boy was to come, and so the father wrapped it in a box, and then he put the wrapping around it, and it was a beautiful package. And when his little boy arrived, he was downstairs, or down on the sidewalk outside, and the, the father was up above. He was standing about on the fifth floor, looking down out the windows. He saw the little boy, and he called the orderly, and he said, would you take this package down to my son? And the orderly was glad to do that. He went down and he, he took the package to the little boy. And the little boy was ecstatic and he, his dad was watching him from up above as he took the package and he began to unwrap it and he opened it and he saw the truck and the orderly had said, this is from your dad and the, and the little boy just grabbed it to his chest and he hugged it. And he was so excited about it and, and he says, oh, I love my truck. This is so wonderful. My daddy made this. And then he threw his arms around the orderly. And he thanked him for bringing him the truck, and he was so appreciative of the fact that he had this truck. The whole time, the father was down up in the, the fifth story looking down through this window, and he was waving his arms, and he was saying, Look up, look up, can you see me? I made the truck. I'm the one that gave it to you. And the little boy didn't look up. And finally, the mom and the orderly talked to the little boy, and they said, You need to look up there, look up there. And he looked up and he saw up there in the fifth floor his dad at the window jumping around. Look at me, look at me. And the little boy went, oh, there's my daddy. My daddy gave me the truck. My daddy made the truck. Thank you, daddy. I miss you, daddy. I wish you could come home, daddy. Sometimes that's how we are with God. We get caught up with the things he's given to us. And we thank people that tend to hand them to us, but we oftentimes forget to thank God. I'm so glad God gave me this, but we forget to stop and say thanks. And then when we finally do get it, we realize, wow, God, look at what you've given to me. Look at the blessings that are mine. And that's what I want us to see this morning. I want us to understand. The Bible says, I, I just quoted it a minute ago in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. He says, in everything, give thanks. Rejoice always. 
Pray without ceasing in everything. Doesn't matter what the circumstances, doesn't matter what you're going through, what you're experiencing. It says, in everything, give thanks. Well, this morning, I want us to go back to Luke chapter 17. Hopefully, you're already there. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 19. It's a, it's a well-known story, the story of ten men, ten men who were destitute, ten men who had nothing in life. They were lepers. And uh, so, as a result, they were unacceptable, they were unloved, They had to stand away from people. They were isolated. They couldn't meet with others. And Jesus was their only hope. I want to start by just reading down through this and talking through it. But in the 11th through the 13th verses, it says, While he was on his way to Jerusalem. Let me just say something. Oftentimes, it wasn't that Jesus went out of the way to help people or to minister to people. It was oftentimes on his way. And our lives are the same way. You know, sometimes we look for ways that we can help people and give to people and minister to people. What can we do? And we have to go here. We have to go there. But if we just open our eyes, a lot of times that we will find during our daily life, there are people that we, like Jesus, can touch and that we can minister to. And so he was on his way to Jerusalem. He was passing between Samaria and Galilee, and I'm not sure why he did that. Oftentimes, When the Jews would go from Galilee down to Judea, they would cross the Jordan River. They'd go down the east side so they didn't have to go through Samaria because there was a hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews. They despised each other. They didn't like each other at all. And We see that so often in the world today where certain groups are in opposition to one another. Jesus could have gone that way, and then when he got down to Jericho... He could have slipped in at Jericho and then come up to Jerusalem. But instead, he was going this way. He passed between Samaria and Galilee. And he entered a village. And ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You know, I I think of the ten lepers and what their lives must have been like what they were going through. These were a mixed group. There was at least one Samaritan along with the Jews. It's interesting when we have a common enemy or we have a common problem, how we become friends with people who previously were in opposition to us and we were in opposition to them. And that's the key with this Samaritan. We're going to see it later on as we get down into the passage that he was with, it seemed like a group of Jews. There may have been other Samaritans there too. We don't know. But at least a fair amount of them were Jewish. They are of the same race as Jesus. And yet there was this separation. And it says they had leprosy. Today, leprosy is known as Hansen's disease. I have never met someone with leprosy, but I know that there are those who have Hansen's disease. They're able to take care of it today. But leprosy was the scourge of the time of Christ. Because when you got leprosy, there was no hope. Uh, it was like getting certain types of cancer where there is no possibility of being uh, saved. You are probably going to die as a result of it. And that's where lepers were. Actually, there were two types of leprosy. There was one that was not so dangerous. 
In fact, probably after two or three years, it would run its course, and then you would be freed, and, and you could go out and, again, be part of society. When a leper began to see that he has leprosy, he'd have a little white spot. Maybe he'd come up on his head, his forehead, or on his cheek, maybe down on his chin, uh, usually somewhere on the face. It may come out on other parts of the body. But he would go to the priest, and the priest would look at him, and he would determine whether he had leprosy or not. Oftentimes, they would put them into isolation for seven days or 14 days and come back, and we'll check it again. But if it was deemed that you had leprosy, you went outside of the city, you left your home, you left your family, you left your work, you left everything that was dear to you. And if anyone came near to you, you'd have to call out, stay back, stay away. I'm a leper. I read one article, didn't say how far people normally had to be away from others, but one said that if the wind was blowing from the leper towards other people, they needed to be at least 50 yards separated. That's half a football field. If you're going to carry on a conversation with that person, you better be able to yell because they won't hear you otherwise. And so lepers were quarantined. Uh, it wasn't until 1600s that we began to quarantine people with diseases. I'm told that the Black Plague that was the uh, uh, ravaged Europe probably wouldn't have been nearly as bad if they had understood the idea of quarantining. But they would quarantine them. They would send them outside. And this leprosy, uh, they were like the living dead because it would begin to eat away at the extremities of their body. It would eat away at your facial features. The nose would be eaten down and probably the ears. There would be uh, uh, tumorous type eruptions that may come up on your face, on your cheeks. Uh, it, it would attack the fingers and the toes and, and eat them away. And I'm told that it would eat the flesh between the bones and when you would see them, they would be deformed because there was no flesh left. It's a terrible thing. And a leper would probably live for up to 15 to 20 years in that state, just continually deteriorating. They would die either from the effects of the leprosy or something that came as a result of it. And so here were these 10 men, and they were totally helpless. They had no hope in life, and yet they had heard about this man by the name of Jesus. Maybe one or two of them had seen him do miracles. Maybe they had seen him heal other lepers. And so they came to him, and they cried out, Jesus, Master. Master here simply means to be the commander. It's in charge. It's a little different than Lord, but he would be in control. And they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That word mercy, mercy comes from the idea of having compassion on someone, but it goes beyond that because a person that is merciful, he sees a person in need, not only recognizes the need, but he has the resources, he helps. And so what they were really saying when they were, they were looking at Jesus, we know you have the power to heal us. We know you can take away our leprosy. Have mercy on us. And they cried out to him. And, and that was really their prayer. You know, I, I think it was, it was a prayer like you and I might make today. Lord, we're, we're sick and we need your help. And these were the people that could give thanks if God met their needs. You know, Ron, uh, Ron has a ministry right now. He, he used to work with the Salvation Army, and he would do a lot of the uh, getting resources to help people that were in need. 
And one of the big resources that homeless people need more than anything else in a lot of ways is socks. A lot of people give blankets and they give clothes and all the different things. But very few stop to give socks. And so Salvation Army said one of the greatest needs that homeless have is socks because they will go for weeks and even months wearing the same pair of socks. And they wear out, they get dirty, uh, they don't have any. And so Ron is collecting socks. And in a week he's going to go over, he's on a homeless encampment over in the valley, and he's going to go over there and distribute the socks. And if you want to be part of that, he'd love to have you. He's talked to the seniors, he's talked to the men. Uh, Bring four pair of socks, new ones please, not the ones you get out of the drawer with the holes in them. You get some good ones and bring them and Ron will give. But you see, that's mercy. That's when you see a need and you reach out to meet that need. That's when you care about somebody else. And so uh, appreciation oftentimes are are those, it it stems from when there's a need and and it's met on behalf of them, of those individuals. There's all kinds of people with needs. I'm going to tell you something today. You have needs. You know, we look at other people and say, oh, they have needs. No, we all have needs. We all have issues. There are, are support groups for different groups, for alcoholics and drug People with drug addictions, and uh, but but you know there's there's struggles with control of our finances, overspending, not handling it properly. There are uh, issues of uh, overeating, eating too much. There's issues of uh, gambling. People have gambling addictions. Um, depression is a huge problem for people in America today. Lord, help my depression. Anger, immorality. Boy, the list goes on and on and on, doesn't it? And we can probably find some area in our lives that we fit there. Lord, I need help. I I went back to, I have a a Bible, a 12-step Bible at home. Well, it's actually at work. And I, I looked at the first three steps. And these are, this is not the 12 steps for Alcoholics Anonymous, but taken from that. And it says, we admitted, the, admitted that we were powerless over our problems and that our lives have become unmanageable. And I would say most of us can say that about some issue of our lives at some time or another. Our lives are out of control. They're unmanageable. And it says, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. In other words, I can't do it on my own, but I I need someone to have mercy on me. This power that's greater than me that comes into my life and makes a decision. And then in number three, it says, we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. I want you to notice something in here. It's something that we oftentimes fail to, met, to, to get in these situations. It does not say, I am going to turn over my addiction alone to God. It doesn't say, I'm going to turn in my, over my eating problem to God, or my gambling problem to God, or my anger to God, or whatever it is. We do turn that over to him, but the issue is that we turn over our lives and our will. That's all of us. God's not just looking for my little issue. He's looking for me. And you see, that's where it starts. It starts with us understanding where we are and that we have a power who is our Heavenly Father, who is our great God, who's willing to come and help us with whatever the issue is. 
and we can bring him to him in prayer. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, I've got issues in my life that aren't perfect, and I need you to help me. And so we look at that, and, and we see that here were these individuals, and they were in, in, in extremely difficult situations. They were lepers who had no hope at all. They couldn't even get together with their family. They couldn't hug their kids. They couldn't shake hands with their best friends. And it was never going to change for them. Verse 14. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priest. You know, I, I, I think this is, this is where faith steps in. Number one is to recognize our need, but number two is to have faith that this person, this individual, this God that we have can heal us, that he can meet our needs. And we come to him and say, here we are. And he said, go, show. Show yourself to the priests. I, I thought it was interesting that Jesus didn't do a little more. If I were one of those lepers, I would have said, you know, I still have leprosy. If I turn and go, they're going to laugh at me. They're not going to let me into the city. I'm not going to be able to get to the priest. Nothing's going to happen that's really worthwhile. And yet Jesus said, go and show. I would say, Jesus, come on out. Lay your hands on me. You know, say, be healed. Do something. I'd want to see him doing something, not just sending me to the priest. You know, that's like go to the doctor. But Jesus said, go and show. That's what you have to do. And so they simply turned in the Old Testament, it said that's what they needed to be, if, do if they were to be confirmed, to be pure, and to be whole again, and to be un, uh, otherwise they were unclean. And so they turned to the temple. And when they turned, they were still lepers. You know, I, I would have said, I know I would have said, Jesus, I'm still a leper. You haven't fixed anything yet. But they acted in faith. And um, that's, what, that's where we need to be. When we come to God and we pray to him, then we need to do what he asks us to do. That's, that's prayer. That's reliance on God. You remember I gave you that acrostic last week. Pray. Praise. Number one, recognize who you're praying to. This is a deep being that can meet your needs, that can care for you, who loves you, and you pray. Number two is repent. You know, Lord, I do have this problem. And I know it's wrong, and I know it's not where it should be, and I ask your forgiveness, and I will turn from that problem. I'm not going to make the same stupid decisions I made before. I'm going to be wise in my decisions. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God, and he'll make your path straight. But that means I've got to turn to him. It's not me controlling Jesus. It's Jesus controlling my situation, and so I turn to him, and I, and I seek his help. A is appreciation. Thank you, Father. Even beforehand, no matter what you do, thank you, Father. In every circumstance, thank you. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus to give thanks. And then finally, you make that request. Lord, I've got a problem. You've recognized your problem. You know it's there. Here it is. I can't help it. I can't deal with it myself. And when you make that request, you, I talked about it last week, that's when you're making a statement of reliance on God and not on yourself. Because so often we want to rely on ourselves. We'll sit down. We'll make all kinds of lists. We'll come up with all kinds of ideas of what, what we need to do and we think we should do rather than saying, God, what do you want me to do? 
How do you want to handle this, Father? I know that you've got a plan, and I'm going to put it in your hands. You know, in, in John 15, 7, it says, if you abide in me, and my word abides in you. You know what that means? It means I do what it says. If we abide in him, he abides in us. Then it says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But it begins with that abiding. It begins with being in a right relationship with God. It begins with being obedient to the things of God. And Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to be obedient. You go back to uh, 1 John chapter, chapter 5. And in 1 John 5, uh, 14 and 15, it says, This is the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in the things we ask, we know that we have those things because God gives them to us. But it comes from going to him first. This is my issue and I trust you, and I believe you, and I believe that you're going to meet my needs, and I, I praise you for that, and I thank you for that. And it says, as they were going, in the process of their going, they turned around, walked away from Jesus, and they were healed. And you know, I, that idea that they were healed there in that passage, it, it was immediate. It says, go and show yourself to the priest, and as they were going, that's a process, they were cleansed, point action, boom. Uh, <laughs> I would imagine they were kind of talking as they were going along and saying, man, I don't know what we're going to tell the priest because we still have noses that are gone and little eyebrows are all gone and, and, and my fingers are still all messed up and my toes aren't good and, and I'm not working very well and what am I going to do? I look like this. And all of a sudden one of them turns and says, you look like what? You've got a nose. You've got eyebrows. Uh, this was a wow moment. And, and, and your hands, let's you know, look at your hands. They're better well, what about my hands? I can't see my nose, but yeah, they're good too. They were healed because they acted in faith because Jesus Christ has the power to meet the need. And that's what we have to understand is we place these things in his hands and, and he, hits, he meets the need. It's, it's what I call a wow moment. Do you have any wow moments? Yeah, when God really makes a difference. We go on. So number one, they saw the need. Number two, they prayed to God. They came. They relied on him to meet the need. And they act in obedience. And in verse 15 and 16, it says, Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, when he looked down, he saw those hands, those feet. He probably ripped off the old rags that were covering them. Glorifying God. That's an act of praise with a loud voice. He was used to screaming before because nobody could hear him that far away. But boy, now it was, a, it was a voice of joy and he fell on his feet, or he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. Do you know what it means when you bow down before the Lord? It was an act of worship. He understood who Jesus was and he worshiped him. And then he gave Thanks to him. And that's really where we are. When we begin to understand that Jesus has done something amazing in our life, that's the very first thing we should do is fall down, worship him, and give thanks to him. And you may not fall down literally, but certainly there is that point of worship acknowledging him for who he is. And verse 17 and 18, how did Jesus respond immediately? It says, then Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? 
There's only one here. Were there not ten? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? To give thanks. Do you know what God desires from his children? He desires our worship. He desires our praise. He desires our thankfulness. And what a disappointment it must be for the Father when we don't take time to say thank you. To be thankful. That's what this month is all about, is taking time in the morning to praise him and taking time in the evening to thank him for something he's done during the day. And for me, most of it's just little things. They aren't big things because I have so much. But when I don't stop and do that intentionally, I forget all about it. I go to bed and say, I hope I sleep well through the night. Instead of stopping to say, wow, Father, what you did for me today is amazing. How does God feel about our responses? Is is there joy for the Father or is there sorrow? I think it's like the father who built the truck for his little boy, and he was up in the fifth story, and and he was saying, look up, look up, see me? I built a truck for you, I did this for you, and the little boy was just caught up with the truck and the people around him. Are you looking up? You really seeing the Lord? Are you giving thanks for what he's done for you? I can say you, but boy, it comes right back to me. Am I doing that? I really went through as I was looking at this, this passage and I, and I thought about where am I here, Father? Am I, am I where you want me to be? Am I like the one who came back? You come back to verse 19. And he said to him, stand up and go. Command, stand up and go. And then he made a statement. He says, your faith has made you well. Faith was what caused him to call out to Jesus. Faith was what caused him to go to the temple. Faith was what drew him back to show his appreciation. There's nothing between us and our Savior when we're like that. And we come back to say thank you. Thank you, Father. I, uh, one came back. I, I read an article and it was talking about this, and it made this statement. A very telling statement for me. It said, ten were healed, but one was saved. God can heal a lot of people. He can, he can rectify a lot of situations, and you may be in a situation where you come to a higher power and say, here I am, and when the, high, when the issue is taken away, you go on about your life. But do we really come back and give God credit and give him thanks and commit our lives to him? I think that's what this last leper did. And Jesus said, go, it's your faith that made you well. It was Jesus that healed him, but without the faith it wouldn't have happened. That was his part. That's our part. So when we come to the Lord, we number one, we need to know our needs. We need to understand that we are helpless without him. 
We need to seek his help. Lord, have mercy on me. This is, this is what's going on in my family. This is what's going on in my life. This is what's taking place in my finances. This is what's happening in my relationships. Lord, I need your help today. Have mercy on me. Act in faith and obedience. Allow God to meet your needs. Then experience his healing and salvation. And respond in prayer and thanksgiving. I want us to look at a, a video uh, before we end today. Can we see that, Brian? I just wanted to stop everything and take the time today to let you know how very thankful I am that you've been there for me. say thanks for never giving up on me. Thank you for providing meals for us after Blake's surgery. Thanks for making sure I always had a ride to chemo. And thank you for helping me through this difficult season in my life, God. Thank you, God, for teaching me to be a strong single dad. Dear God, thank you so much for giving me this new job. I love it. Thanks for sending Jeff to take my shift last week so I could be with my family. For keeping me company on the first day of school. Thank you, God, for helping us get that bill paid. Thank you, God, for the clothes on my back. For giving me the courage to speak the truth. Thank you for forgiving me. For making my day better. For giving my life a melody. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for every single day. And one final thing, God. Thank you for always loving me, no matter what. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. That's what we want to do in the morning and the evening. Just say thank you, God. Let's pray. Father, we have so much to thank you for. We take for granted so much. Forgive us for that. But Father, I just want to thank you. We could be here this morning. and We could study this passage of the ten lepers. They knew their need. It was a need that they couldn't fix. They were helpless. They were hopeless. And yet they knew that Jesus was there and Jesus could fix it. They cried out to him for mercy, Father, and they went to the one who is merciful. Oh, I praise you, Father, for Jesus Christ. I praise you for you and your compassion and your love and your forgiveness and the fact that you're the great healer and whatever we go through, we go through it with you, not alone. Thank you, God. I don't know why the nine didn't come back, Father. I would imagine they just got too busy, ran to see their families, and went to make sure the job was still going okay, and went to enjoy the lake and the hills. But... Father, mostly they probably just wanted to go in the city where they could be with people. But, Father, what we know is they got so busy they didn't come back. 
and they didn't offer thanks. I pray that we would learn from them and that we would demonstrate thankful spirits. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love, your faithful love, without limits, without restrictions. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.